There we go. Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Denny's. I'm Jordan McAbee of Rotoballer, my co-host Nick Giffen of the Action Network. Texas in the books. William Byron gets his sixth win of the year. We're now down to six races left in the season before we crown a champion. And the only one that's in the playoffs that has to be feeling safe right now, or that can feel safe right now, is William Byron. This was the most unpredictable round of the playoffs. And we had some drama and some things happen at Texas Motor Speedway to some playoff contenders. Uh, that's going to make this very interesting with Talladega and the Charlotte Roval coming up. But like I said, Byron in victory lane. He can breathe easy for the next two weeks and focus on the third round of the playoffs. Ross Chastain comes home second. Bubba Wallace leads the most laps from the pole. 111 laps led, finishes third. Said he gave it away on that final restart. Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin rounded out the top five. Harvick, Kozlowski, Suarez, who you called last week on the podcast, plus 280 for a top 10, ends up eighth. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., ninth, and Chase Briscoe ends up 10th. Uh, when it comes to Jeff Gluck's poll, 59.5% said that that was a good race, and he said that might seem low, but it's actually number four Texas race in the poll out of 15 <laughs> races there because of how Texas is. So I will defer to you. Did you think that was a good race? It was, it was fine. It was hard to pass. Uh, I know we've enjoyed the mile-and-a-half racing uh, overall this year, but this was definitely the, the mile-and-a-half track that was hardest to pass at this year. Um, obviously, I think the, the new right-side tire helped as far as preventing all those blown tires. We didn't see as many or, or, or many at all. Um, we saw a couple loose wheels. Uh, for mm -hmm. sure, I know. Uh, I think it was Gillen had one fall off, and Austin Dillon had one fall off. Yep. We saw some wrecks just by um, drivers, you know, getting a little uh, dirty. You know, getting out of the groove, the tires get a little funky. I, th I know that happened to Kyle Busch, kind of caught him out. We saw a wreck with Kyle Larson, of course, racing yeah. for the lead with Bubba Wallace. That was good, clean, hard racing. I, I don't think there was any. You know, animosity there. Larson definitely took responsibility. He just got sucked around. So, you know, there was certainly some elements that were exciting and uh, things like that. But I think as far as the actual racing product itself, I liked, without the blown tires, I liked last year's Texas racing product better than this year's Texas racing product from a racing standpoint uh, in terms of, like, uh, could you pass could you make moves? I thought it was a little easier last year. I thought there was more passing last year, uh, more passing all throughout, you know, up front, mid-pack, and back. Um, and it's not that you couldn't hear. It was just a lot harder, and it certainly was the hardest of the mile and a half that we've seen this year. So I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was bad, but it wasn't, like, great either. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually going to be, uh, as far as the racing itself, that's going to be part of my whine about it. But like you said, tough to pass, and someone that uh, – that got the short end of the stick when it comes to that is Chris Buescher. He ended up 14th despite finishing top five in both stages. Still a good points day for him, but definitely a disappointing with that 14th place finish. Uh, William Byron, though, six wins on the year, and I know he mm -hmm. didn't have the best car at Texas, but man, it's hard not to have him as the championship favorite right now. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, he's the only one through, so he has yeah. to be the favorite right now. Um, wins aside and, and performance aside, He's the one who's through. Nobody else is is guaranteed to go through, especially with Talladega and the Roval. Um, Talladega especially being kind of a wild card. And then Roval could, could certainly catch a, a driver or two out for sure. So I think at this point in time, just by the nature of the two tracks we have left and how close these standings are, right? Like Denny Hamlin's in second in points right now, not locked mm -hmm. in. 
Uh, but a bad race for him and, you know, some of these guys below or, or near the cut line having a solid Talladega, and all of a sudden that you know, compresses even further. So there's nobody safe other than William Byron. Yeah, as you said, we had we had several drivers with, with playoff drivers with issues. Kyle Busch finished 34th. Kyle Larson finished 30, 31st. Ryan Blaney, 28th. Tyler Reddick, 25th. Uh, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, Kyle Larson's two points above the cut line, and he's not good at Talladega. So we yep. could be seeing a situation where Kyle Larson goes into the Charlotte Roval needing a complete mistake-free race and maybe a little bit of help to make it to the next round. Kyle Busch, 17 points below the cut line now. Ryan Blaney, 11. Reddick's three. Bubba Wallace, despite finishing third and having that very good points day, uh, is still two points below the cut line. So he's going to need – he really has, has to be kicking himself for you know that last restart. And I don't think he did anything like terribly wrong – just didn't like it didn't work out he didn't get as good a restart as he got on the one before which got him the lead uh and then you know i think it was whoever it was to his inside i already forget but he said he knew he was getting tight and uh briscoe and briscoe yeah. got tight which forced bubba up a little bit which allowed byron to get three wide underneath and uh you know, that's kind of all she wrote there so uh it was like as far as choosing which lane Bubba was like, he took the high lane because it worked the, the previous restart. And then, you know, he's like, well, maybe I should take in the bottom, especially knowing Briscoe got tight, which pushed up into me. So it's one of those hindsights 2020s. I don't think it was like he blew the race or anything. It was just that that's restarts, man. That's restarts. Yeah. And you can't like, you know, how many how many times is Bubba Wallace in position to win a race? You know, like a lot of yeah. these guys have a lot more practice than him. But um couple other, you know, good stories there out of Texas. Justin Haley ends up with a 13th place finish. I like that because I wrote him up in my DraftKings article. <laughs> um, uh, Michael McDowell had a like good race for him, 15th, uh, 15th place finish, um, fifth place in the first stage. You know, that, that car has not been good at the intermediates this year. Carson Hosevar, once again, in that 42 car, comes away with a top 20 finish. Something that Noah Gregson could not do this year, and Hosevar has not finished worse than 19th since taking over that ride. Uh, Eric Jones had another very strong race car this this uh, this in this race. Uh, ended up finishing 30th after wrecking out, and Ty Gibbs uh, also wrecked out there. Um, anything else? Um, you know, obviously that we had the playoff drivers having issues. Um, Martin Truex Jr. just I think he had an early. Got some early damage, if I remember right, uh, yeah. like on, on a restarter at the end of the stage. You know, he ended up 17th, so not a great uh, race for him. But we'll get we'll get to that when we talk about the playoffs. He's still in decent shape there in the in the standings. Um, anything else from Texas that really you know caught your eye or is noteworthy moving forward? Uh, Eric Jones, uh, he was in contention for the win at, at certain points. Top three car for sure in that race until he got involved in one of those wrecks in front of him. Um, nowhere to go i think it was uh but eric jones was probably the third best car i mean it was it was certainly uh larson one hamlin arguably second or eric jones arguably second uh but yeah eric jones had an incredibly strong race uh so you know shout out to the people who were on eric jones this past weekend i know there were some nascar analysts etc uh i don't even know if I, I can't even remember if I made any bets outside of uh, the, the ones I made on running hot and on stacking Denny's last week. Uh, but uh, Eric Jones, really, really strong run, just unfortunate to get caught up in that wreck. So definitely wanted to give him a shout out. And uh, 
Ricky Stenhouse Jr., two straight top 10 finishes, which is, you know, he's not in the playoffs now, but he's still trying to finish as high up in the standings as he can. Remember, anybody that doesn't make the top four, the final four, they can still finish as high as fifth. So mm-hmm. uh, shout out to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. for that ninth place, Kevin Harvick sixth place. That'll certainly help them as they progress through the rest of the playoffs. Because, I mean, you look at guys like Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, they have not had strong playoffs. Yes, they made it through the first round, but Blaney only one finish better than 12th. Kyle Busch only one finish better than 11th, and both of them DNF'd this past race. So uh, it's certainly possible Harvick, Stenhouse, some of these other guys could leapfrog uh, whoever ends up falling out of this next section of the playoffs here so certainly going to be be interesting but i want to give uh, definitely give eric jones and ricky stenhouse jr shout outs they they always seem to show up at these mile and a half um yeah. and it, it's uh certainly become even better i would say for for eric jones late in the season i mean look if he hadn't if he had finished where he should have at texas he'd have a tenth a third and a top three probably in his last four races yeah, that, that team overall, like it's just like with Hosovar, you know, getting the better results. Because I want to say at Kansas, you know, Jones was in the in the mix to win there at the end as well. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Eric Jones definitely, you know, and, and Legacy Motor Club overall, I feel like is improving. Yes. Which, in turn, makes me really like my futures bets. on I have Byron and Larson for the championship just because it's Chevy. I feel like Chevy went through that lull there in this in the middle of the season that we talked about, and now they're yep. showing up right again, and they have the speed. You know, if, if the lower teams like Chastain Eric Jones... And, yeah. y- yep, exactly. So you have the lower teams like Eric Jones and Legacy Motor Club showing up with speed. Hendrick's obviously going to have that speed. But yeah, looking at green flag speed from Texas, Eric Jones was third fastest. It went Larson, Hamlin, Jones, Busher, Bubba was the top five. And then even with uh, Jones's wreck, he was sixth in average running position there. So definitely a strong race for him. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure Jones will end up third in flags when I actually run that. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, that was... That was a really strong race. So, you know, you mentioned anything else. Well, and then Chase Briscoe finishing 10th uh, is a pretty monumental for him in the intermediate package uh, because right. I think that's his first top 10 in the intermediate package this year. Uh, his only other top 10s were Phoenix, Bristol Dirt, Martinsville, uh, which were all, and, and which were all you know, short track uh, or high downforce packages. Talladega is a super speedway. doesn't count. New Hampshire, short flat. Uh, Indy Road Course is the, the the high downforce package. So this is his first top ten in an intermediate this year. Remember how awful they were at the start of the year. Uh, they were worse than thirtieth place car for the first many intermediate races. The fact that they were able to now obviously it wasn't a second place car in speed, but to contend for a win there on the last restart of the race yeah, uh, before falling big. back. That's pretty big for that team. Um, so hopefully some things in the right direction there. As Stuart Haas Racing announces, of course, that Ryan Priest will uh, be back in the 41 next year. That's exactly what I was going to get into next. Ryan Priest announced today that he will be back in the 41. Uh, and, you know, I I posted the news update for Rotoballer on that and, of course, did my research. You know he has one top ten finish this year. Yep. That's it. Yep. It was a fifth place at Richmond. Um, the only driver with less is Ty Dillon, and he has zero. Oof. So I guess my and question is, is do you <laughs> – Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, do you think Do you think this is a good move for Stuart Haas? 
You know, this is Priest's this is Priest's best season of full time season of his career. Average finish of twenty one point four, still the worst Stuart Haas uh, team. Do you think this is a this is a money thing? Do you think they actually think he can develop into something? I, you got to give him another year. I mean, this is only his first year full time with the team. You got to give him another year. Yeah. Obviously, it's a new car, new team for him. Last time he was in Cup, uh, which was nineteen to twenty one, that was with a, an even worse team, JTG Doherty. And I'm not saying they're bad now because obviously Stenhouse made the playoffs uh, with a Daytona five hundred yeah. win. Be fair, but he also has had much stronger results than Priest this year overall. Um, so I, I think you know it's a little interesting because Priest in twenty twenty one had four top 10 finishes, including two that were not at super speedways. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was his last year of JTG, and he's only had one this year, so not exactly uh, highlight material there. But I think you got to give him another year. But what else, what other options does Stuart Haas really have? Uh, it sounds like they're losing Zane Smith to track house, yep. right? I mean, they are. And then yeah. what else do they have in the Ford pipeline? Riley Herbst? Eh. You know, Cole Custer, we already saw how that worked out. So it's it's where do they go from here, Stuart Haas Racing? I feel like they're committed to four teams, but, it you know, all indications are Eric Almirola is probably not coming back next year. So then who fills the 10 car? It's not exactly the best of times here for Stuart Haas. I mean, look who they signed to replace Harvick. Josh Berry, you know I'm not high on that move at all. Yeah. I uh, honestly, I'm. I, for, I forgot about the Amarola thing. I, I think at this point they have to beg him to come back. But it, I think that brings up a very good point. Why are they so committed to four teams? You know, we've we've seen it before where these big organizations that struggle, mm-hmm. and they, you know, at JTG, they, they struggled overall with two cars. They're down to one, and Stenhouse is a legitimate top ten contender for, for I'd say, 30% of the races this year, maybe 40. Yeah, absolutely. And – it, it just goes down to just downsizing and whether that's a good move. And I, I don't understand where if you are scraping the bottom of the barrel, you're begging these guys to race for you. Why are you stuck on four teams? What are you going to do? Move Haley digging up or like, I don't let's, let's look at IndyCar real quick. Cause it, and I'm going to relate to this point. Andretti Autosport has been a four car team for many years, many, many, many years. Uh, sometimes even five cars or even fielding six in the Indy 500 all indications are they're going to downsize to three next year because they need to, they want to get back to that elite level where they were, where they're competing with the Ganassis, the Penske's of the world for championships, race wins, championships. Andretti did not place a driver better than I think it was eighth in the championship this year. They only had two wins by some guy named Kyle Kirkwood, who, speaking of re-signing, signed a multi-year extension today uh, to at least be with Andretti Autosport through. I guess since it's a multi-year extension and he was already guaranteed through 24, then that multi-year extension means at least 26. Um, so big deal there. But they're going to downsize, all indications are, to three teams. And I think that's going to help their performance. You mentioned the same thing with JTG. Stuart Haas Racing should strongly consider that because outside of Harvick, who is a Hall of Fame caliber driver and has done Hall of Fame things with a team that has struggled for three years now, uh, I think Stuart Haas Racing has struggled pretty pretty mightily. Uh, he has still has been leaps and bounds the best driver on that team, even in the twilight of his career, even as obviously his talents are decaying just because they do when you get to his age. 
Um, but for, for three years, he has carried, absolutely carried that team. Uh, and he's going to be gone. Maybe it's time to, to downsize the three teams and, and just focus your resources on all of that instead of spreading yourself too thin. I agree with that. I just don't. And, and maybe the charter system a, makes it so hard. That's the problem. Right. I, uh, but can they find someone to buy it? You know, that's what I'm saying. It makes it so hard. You can get a lot of money for it, but at the same time, what if you want to go back to four teams eventually? Then you have to buy a charter even yeah. more expensive than you sold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do in that in that final. But it it's hard to imagine Stuart Haas. I mean, not taking yet another step back next season. And obviously, you know, we'll talk about that with our preseason preview next year but yeah uh, i look, mean depending on who fills real quick just depending on who fills that 10 car or even if it's still amarola we could seriously be talking about over under half a win for that team next year oh yeah and do like do they go down as far as like getting a driver like jj yaley to to go into that car or just you know someone that yeah. will go out there and not know, wreck man. the damn thing you know yeah, it, it, it's as not amazing of a driver as J.J. Ailey is, he is a professional driver, and he brings that stuff home pretty frequently. Yeah. But I don't think they do that. Uh, to be fair, I think I think Tony Stewart does think highly of J.J. Ailey. They both come from open-wheel backgrounds. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to bring in a young talent if you're not – if Almirola is not coming back. And, and, you know, I guess Cole Custer kind of counts as young talent. But we've already seen that. Like, you're not getting anything – by bringing Cole Custer back up into the Cup Series in the number 10 car. Here's someone for you. What about Ty Dillon? No. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a dumb move, but I'm just saying that's a, that's someone that's not going to have their ride next year. Yeah, but that uh, is, are they, is Ty Dillon really going to drive for a Ford team when his dad is Mr. Chevy or grandparents or grandfather is Mr. Chevy? I don't know. You never know. You never know. I mean, I, I think he probably – and I remember, you know, several years ago, it was Austin Dillon, I think it was, filled in um, for uh, a few races in Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, but uh, Ty Dillon, I just – and I know he'll be free to do whatever, you know, is best for his career. I don't think he's necessarily stuck to Chevy. Um, for example, he did run a few Toyota races in the Xfinity Series for, for Joe Gibbs, ran a few Toyota races for Gaunt Brothers uh, in 2021. Um, and, and again, those Toyota races for Gibbs were in 2021. But other than that, that family has been a Chevy family through and through. Let me just real quick check Austin Dillon's record because I don't think he's run anything other than a Chevy. Yeah, he ran for uh, he ran for Stuart Haas Racing back in 2013 as a sub. But again, all that was when they were with a Chevy. So um, he's only run Chevy in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it'll be something to keep an eye on there with, uh, with Stuart Haas racing, getting to the playoff standings now, though, like we said, there's, there's some, uh, some shakeup after that first race. And now we got Talladega looming, which is guaranteed to shake this up even more. Denny Hamlin, 37 points above the cut line. Busher plus 22, Christopher Bell plus 20, Truex plus 19. Then it gets quite close here. Chastain plus 12, Keselowski plus 8, Larson plus 2. Bubba minus 2, Reddick minus 3, Blaney minus 11, Kyle Busch minus 17. Nobody's out. Nobody's too far back. And this is all sure to change. 
and it, it, you know, we could see Ryan Blaney win Talladega. We could see Bubba. We could see any of these guys win Talladega, but Ryan Blaney definitely has to be one of the favorites coming into this race. Always runs well at Talladega. Bubba Wallace always does well at mm-hmm. super speedways. Chris Busher this year, though, I believe has top fives at every single super speedway race. If I'm, if I read a tweet right earlier today, um, yep. Daytona, Talladega, uh, and then Daytona again. He has finished fourth or better in all, all three of those. So that could be, you know, that's another one that we've talked about. Sleeper making it into the final final race of the year could be Chris Busher, uh, and obviously I think Keselowski's won at Talladega like five times, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. Just off the top of my head, I know he has several. Um, I I love Talladega because I feel like like ridiculous underdogs have a better chance at Talladega to pull off an upset because the track's so much faster, wider. Um, handling doesn't quite matter as much as it does at Daytona. So you can get runs. And plus where the start finish line is, you can get runs, like three different runs coming out of the last you know, three and four down the trioval and down like the the back stretch of the trioval, if you will, to, for lack of a better term, kind of heading in towards turn one there. Uh, I remember like, you know, one of my favorite all time NASCAR Cup Series races was 2013, I think it was, when David Gilland and David Rudiman uh, not David Gillen. <laughs> David Reagan and David Rudiman. There's too many Davids to keep track of. Yeah. Uh, finished first and second in those front row motorsports cars. Uh, you know, I, it's just one of those races where if you can just get the right push, there's so much room you can make something happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy that has really has always been really good at Talladega that we talked briefly about before, Eric Jones. Six top tens in the last seven Talladega races. Wait, it was um, David. It was David Gillen, not David Rudiman. It was. I'm getting all my Davids confused. It was David Bregan winning, with David Gilland finishing second? Okay. Not yeah, David Rudiman, Rudiman sounded weird because Rudiman always yeah. raced for. Uh, he did race for front row in his last uh, three Cup Series starts. Did he? I forgot yeah. about that entirely. In the 35 car. Hmm. Interesting. But, yeah, Eric Jones currently three straight finishes of sixth at Talladega, which obviously, you know, you can't you can't base anything on Talladega off of finishing, no. but always runs well at this track. He has always pretty much ever since, you know, 2018, he's been solid here. Um, but one guy that doesn't get finishes at Super Speedways that we talked about before, and this is reminding me of last the last round of the playoffs where Truex mm-hmm. ran into issues. Yep. Kyle Larson is not – he always has issues, it seems like, at super speedways. Looking at the last seven Talladega races, he's finished outside of the top 26 or five times, 18th the other time, and then he does have a fourth-place finish here back in 2022. Um, yeah. If you're Kyle Larson, how concerned are you just being two points above that cut line? Honestly, I don't think you're – overly concerned because what can happen to you can happen to anybody in that field you need to understand that you need to run a clean race as clean as you can make it you can't help it if somebody spins in front of you or bumps you too hard from the rear but at least he can control his part on not putting himself in the situations where he is going to wreck himself uh Mm -hmm. you know what i mean if he's aggressively bump drafting somebody and he gets them loose in front of him and collects himself those kinds of things makes a bad block that kind of thing 
he can at least control those aspects. So uh, I think that's going to be okay. He will obviously with his issue in Texas half the points race. So he'll have to try to run up front in these stages. So there's a little bit of concern there. Whereas, you know, somebody like Denny Hamlin, uh, we saw this last year, Joey Logano uh, had like a 50 point lead over the cut line or something. Uh, 40 points, something. I can't remember what exactly it was going into Talladega. He just rode in the back and just hoped to finish like 18th and then said, we'll just, you know, take a 25 point lead into the Roval. Uh, I could see somebody like Denny mm-hmm. Hamlin doing something like that, but Kyle Larson has absolutely no luxury to do that. Hmm. Uh, here's a question for you. Well, uh, I want to I want to ask this now before we get to because I'll forget about it when we get to uh, talking about Talladega specifically. Mm-hmm. Last seven races, there have been seven different winners at Talladega. Do you think we get an eighth different winner? Those seven winners are Kyle Busch, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney. No, I don't think we get a new one. I think it's going to be uh, Keselowski, Blaney, or uh, honestly, I think it's going to be one of those guys. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't think it'll be Chastain, but I think it'll be one of those guys. Those are some big names, and I think one of them will do it. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's all, but I, I mean, I don't, I actually think they're still favored to probably lose. Maybe. I mean, I haven't run uh numbers on those specific drivers in terms of like them versus the field i think it's probably pretty close to 50 50 i would guess off the top of my head but i think it just the way the the top drivers have excelled at, at the super speedways and i'm including ricky Stenhouse jr in that because he is a top super speedway driver these guys this year have really stepped it up. I mean, we look Ricky Stenhouse Jr. winning, Kyle Busch winning Talladega, like you said earlier this year, Daytona, Chris Busher did, but with Keselowski's pushing, right? So um, I think it's going to come down to one of these top guys. And if it's not, it's going to be somebody like a Chris Busher. Yeah, the only guy I can think of um, would be Joey Logano. Yeah, ah, yeah absolutely. Joey yeah. Logano, um, who has not won in the last seven here. Yeah. You know, I mean, it. it <laughs> I say this every super speedway. Martin Truex Jr. is a better super speedway driver than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. And I could see him getting himself in there in the mix. And then there's always a chance of just some rando, right? I mean, right. I still like if we can get I and I don't I'm not I don't have the odds up in front of me. I will when we start talking about bets, but if we get somebody like Corey LaJoy 70 to 1 or something, that's a value bet obviously. Because he can, I don't think he's seven to one, seventy to one. But you get my point. If he was, uh, I I wouldn't have any issue betting guys that are not in those drivers we mentioned. You're just saying yes or no. Do you think this happens? And I think it's pretty close to fifty fifties, and I probably lean yes. But that doesn't mean we can't find super long shot value still in this race because I do think we can. I mean, a lot of these guys have no wins in their career or one or two. They'd love to cap a, a winless or a struggle of a season off with a win. You know these guys will still be gunning for the win here. They they are not, especially if you're like Stuart Haas Racing, if you're Chase Briscoe or whatever, you're not worried about Kevin Harvick because he's out of the playoffs now. Um, so there's a lot of drivers that are still going to gun for the win here and say playoff drivers be damned. If they want to put themselves in a, in a risky situation, that's on them. That's the advantage for me. Uh, I can make aggressive moves, and they'll have to worry about is that going to cost me 
a huge wreck in my playoff chances. So it actually gives, in a weird way, a bit of a slight advantage to those guys as well that are outside of the of the playoffs or, or very winless who have absolutely nothing to lose. I mean, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, Justin Haley, right? Gilliland, LaJoy, Priest, all these guys have nothing to lose and they don't have teammates in the playoffs, etc. It's It's a great spot for them. Eric Jones, right? Carson Hosevar. I don't know. I mean, there's so many guys that are in a great spot to just say, screw those playoff drivers. I get to be aggressive as hell if I want to because they know they can't afford to make a mistake with trying to block me for a race win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right there with you. Um, you know what's interesting? I, I mentioned those seven drivers, the most recent winners at Talladega. Uh, when you go by best average driver rating over the last seven races, number one, Ryan Blaney, he's got a win. Eric Jones, William Byron are two and three. They don't have wins. But then it's Bubba, Hamlin, Elliott, Chastain all have wins. So it just it, – it, it's a nice little, you know, the drivers that run well are still winning. You know, these, these, these races at Talladega are super unpredictable, but at the same time the drivers that run well tend to win, uh, at least, you know, over time. But um, – Anything else, uh, as far as you know, these playoff standings go? Like, obviously, we're we have no idea what Talladega is going to bring. We have no idea where everybody's going to be shaken up and and after in these point standings after Talladega. That's when it's going to get really interesting to talk about next week with Charlotte Roval. Um, but does you mentioned you know Denny Hamlin points racing? I I know we're talking about um, Talladega quite a bit here, but you know Denny Hamlin. 37 points above the cut line. You mentioned he might be points racing. He jumped out at me because FanDuel's laying him at 16 to 1. And I'd, I'd, I'd still, yeah, I'd still bet that at 16 to 1. 100%. I think, yeah, I think you have to. Like, I can't believe it. He's he's 10 to 1 at MGM, just for reference. It's so tough. I mean, he really is in that Logano situation from last year where Logano just said, screw it, I'm just going to ride around and finish 18th or wherever I finish, just as long as I don't finish. 25th or worse or something like right. that. Uh, so I'm I'm looking at where Joey Logano finished last year because he finished second at Texas, which was the first race last year. He actually finished 27th at Talladega. Like, he literally just backed out of it on the lead lap. He finished last car in the lead lap. Truex finished second to last car in the lead lap. All they needed to do was just not finish god-awful last. You know what I mean? Um, right. And, and that was good enough for them. I think Denny Hamlin is in that situation where they – actually could take that approach but i don't think that's denny hamlin's style hmm. uh no. whereas Truex, absolutely that's his style and and logano that's not logano's style and I, it did surprise me a little bit last year that they did that but i think in the end uh it's just one of those deals where it, it worked out for the better because then you go into the final race 30 points to the good or 25 points to the good instead of 10 or 15 and that matters a whole lot in such a tight race mm-hmm yeah, so that's like I said, we'll get to, we'll get to Talladega, but that jumped out at me for sure. Uh, Hamlin sitting there at sixteen to one, and honestly, Logano sixteen to one. I, I don't hate that either. Uh, Here's both the thing: if, if Hamlin finishes twenty fifth, that's enough points to guarantee um, he will be ahead of the cut line by double digits, mm-hmm. comfortable double digits. So he doesn't need to go for the win. So now I don't know if I want to bet him sixteen to one. 
I just I, I don't know. I we'll still to, most like, likely will. I need to. I probably need to listen to actions detrimental if, uh, if he said anything about it. Listen to what he says throughout the week. This is probably one of those where I feel like it's value, but the more I think about it, the more I'm afraid of it. And it's going to be one of those. I know if I bet him, he's going to do exactly as I'm saying and, and just <laughs> finish tail end of the lead lap. And if I and if I don't bet him, he's going to go out and win the race, right? So yeah. it's it's one of those. You have to know the team's mindset, which I don't want to blow money. Now that I think about it, I don't, I'd rather just not lose money and miss out on winning money, right? Because then if, even if he wins at 16 to 1, I still didn't lose money if I didn't bet on him. I just yeah. didn't make money. <laughs> so it's almost one of those where I'd rather just pass just because of the situation so weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Logano's interesting, though, because, you know, he's out of the playoffs. So... He's going oh, I, for this win, yeah. unless unless he's pushing Blaney. Unless to the he's win. pushing Blaney, yeah, yeah. Which is Which, you know it, it's a DFS thing. There's a correlation there for sure. Um, Cindric Blaney, Logano Blaney, those correlations are absolutely in play for DFS this week. I know we're not really talking about Dega, but standings, etc. But it's just one of those thoughts that popped in my head. Yeah. Um. We're All getting right, to wine about real it real quick. Now, inter- intermediate. Oh, we're going to wine about it. I was going to say, should I go White Claw or Tecate? But I guess we're going to do Luva Bella wine. Yeah. <laughs> and with your wine bottle, I let you go first. Um. So this is the once again the Luva Bella Reserve Collection, the Petite Syrah. I love it. I haven't finished it from was it a week ago or two weeks ago. I think it's delicious. So now I have emptied the bottle here. Uh, wine about it. I guess my wine about it. Honestly, I don't really have one. Uh, if I had to pick a wine about it, I, I don't know, dude. You you get you wine about it, and I might tag off of you because I I don't have a lot to complain about from this past week. Uh, I know. You know, there's two weeks ago I whined about, or you know, last week's episode, um, I whined about people, you know, are saying, "Oh, this is what's going to happen, and that's what's going to happen." I saw a lot of that in the in the race as well, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it's it's nothing egregious, but it's just like we need to just stop anointing things that will happen or won't happen. It's the exact same line as last week, and apparently. Obviously, uh, it, it's just always going to keep happening, and that's, that's just the nature of NASCAR Twitter. But, like, just that pronouncing things are going to happen before they do is is frustrating because you don't know that, and I don't know that, and the person whining about or saying that doesn't know. And then it obviously inevitably goes the opposite way from what people are saying, and it's like you could have just not said that, and then you wouldn't look dumb. It's the same mm. thing. I don't know. I don't. I don't have a whole lot more to whine about because I thought that while well, the Texas race was meh, uh, yeah, we're was, we're not getting better. good storylines to whine about. That's a whine about it in itself. Give us something. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. We need, we, need something something. we need some damn drama. We need some damn drama. Yeah. That's a whine about it right there. What do you got? I got. Uh, I was. My initial thought was. Um, you know, people like to complain that Bubba Wallace is only good at certain tracks when he's 
he has now emerged as a very good intermediate track driver. So now he's good at intermediates. He's good at super speedways. He's getting better at road courses. And, and some short pre- flats or, or some other short, short types flats, of short he's tracks, really good. he's good. Yeah. 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 So that was gonna be that was gonna be my whine about it. You know, if you want to piggyback off that one, you can. Uh, but I'm gonna talk about Texas because, you know, obviously people a lot of people still didn't like the race there. Um, you said it was hard to pass, and and you know there's there's issues with Texas, uh, and I feel like over the years it's just gonna keep getting a little bit better, a little bit better. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the track was repaved six years ago. Um, there's not much yep. they can do about it, but. When you see Kyle Larson wreck the way he did, and some of these other drivers have issues, isn't that kind of what people have been clamoring for? Is that yeah. these cars are hard to drive? Yeah. Isn't that exactly what you want? So why are people still complaining? Because obviously these, like Kyle Larson's the best driver in the Cup Series, and he wrecked going for the lead. Obviously it was a little hard to drive at Texas. I mean, it was 90-something degrees. Uh, track temp was 140 to start that race. It was tough to drive on that track, and we saw that, and people still are saying it was a shit race. I don't think it was. I don't think it was a great was, race. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think it was a great race, but I didn't think it was a shit race for sure. Yeah. Like, this isn't – I'm not going to remember this race as, as one of the best of the year. I, it obviously doesn't compare well to other intermediate tracks, but those were just so good. So when you compare a yeah. mediocre race <laughs> with, with, with other intermediate r- tracks that are very good you're gonna say it's shit but i thought it was a good race i really did i thought so too i thought it was fine it was it wasn't great it was good it was fine um and and to your point here yeah that's what people want and i'm not sitting here rooting for rex don't get me wrong um but when that happened i jumped up i literally jumped up and i was like oh my god you know like that's that's drama that's exciting that's what we we don't want wrecks, but we want to see incidents happen. That's part of racing, as long as everybody's okay and safe, and that was totally fine. Everybody was totally fine there. That's what we want. Like, we're not rooting for wrecks, but we want them to occur naturally as part of hard racing, and that's exactly what happened there, right there with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's where I'm at on Texas. Like, I know it's it's easy for people to, to shit on the track, and, and I, I thought compared to what we've seen in the past with Texas, I thought that was it, – it, it's nice to see improvements. And, I, yeah, you know, I thought last year was a better racing product, but obviously the tire issues marred everything. <clears throat> thought this yeah. year was slightly worse, but it was still both this year and last year were much better than before the next gen car. And it's yeah. it's miles apart in terms of the racing product. I know good race is different from racing product because good race, if you're exploding tires every ten laps, doesn't make it for a good race. But the racing product, when you could race last year i thought was really good i thought it took a small step down this year but uh still way better like if you had taken this race and put it in like a 2017 2018 uh season of those intermediates when everything was just drab and boring and bland and terrible this would have been the good race of that year you know what i mean one of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) but because like you said because those other mile and a half have been so good this one pales in comparison to those, even though years ago it would have been probably on the better side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's 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 my whine about it this week. You have anything you you want to continue whining, or you want to get right into talking about uh, Talladega? Let's 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 talk Dega, man. I uh, you know, it's I I don't really have a whole lot to complain about. One one other stat I wanted to point out before we get to Dega. Brad Keselowski's last four races, 
he has finishes of 69, of course, 6 and 9, and then 8 and 7. So he has 6, 7, 8, 9. Uh, and then, I, so I thought, I just thought that was interesting. And then the ninth place driver to root for this week would be Kevin Harvick for the 69 challenge. Which is definitely finish, possible. Finish six at Texas. Very possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, as always, Wine About It presented by Luvabella Winery. Check them out. Link Buy their wines. in the They're description. So Buy their wines. Yes. I, it's been a while since I've had some wine. I need to have a wine night. Um. Yeah, I've I, uh, been on a uh, I've been on a lower drinking overall amount lately, but uh, yeah, I'll that's tell you, why I haven't had the, that's why I didn't finish this bottle from a week or two ago. Whenever we I, we we did the last wine, because last week was with Milazzi. Um, yeah. I don't remember if I did this one or a different one, but uh, really, really like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely gonna add a couple of those to my next order. Yeah. Um, I actually, speaking of drinking, I, I you know I haven't been drinking a lot, you know these last few months, but I I had a few uh, on Sunday night and uh, watching the game. I had Irish car bombs for like the first time since high school, and oh, I forgot how good those are. I like them so much. I I, I, I do like enjoy three or four a good Irish car bomb. Okay, so Irish car bombs, I don't mind. I I'll definitely have one. I'm not going crazy on them. Jaeger bombs, no thank you. The first yeah. time I ever had a Jaeger bomb, I literally, within a minute and a half or so, started like sweating profusely. I got like the shakes. I got like chills and stuff. I don't know what happened to me. And I've been able to have Jaeger bombs since then. They're fine. I've never had that same reaction. Yeah. But I just don't enjoy them. But Irish car bombs are good. Uh, so right, right there with you. Um, also... Y- we were – I don't know what you were – oh, Sunday. You were, said that was Sunday evening. It, it made me think of football. Mm-hmm. Minnesota Vikings, sir. I don't want to talk about it. 0-3. I don't want to talk about it. Do not want to talk Three about it. Three one-score game losses. <gasps> Dead last in the Action Network luck rankings. Unluckiest Z- team in the NFL. They went from luckiest last year to the unluckiest this year. Yep. Like – that is that is the Minnesota. Can they just Vikings have a right normal there. like average luck period? That would be that would be nice for for you. Be, I think that would be ideal. But yeah, like it's hard for me not to just be giving up on this season already because it's. I it is I what it them, is. I bet them preseason thirty five. I think it was thirty five to one. Uh, thirty five to one to be the last winless team. Did you really? <laughs> I did, and the. the the four winless teams right now face each other this weekend. Minnesota, really? Carolina, and Denver, Chicago. So at most, well, there, yeah, I guess technically there's ties. But there could be two winless teams. Probably will be two winless teams after this week. Hmm. I, did bet, um, I did bet Vikings overtime uh, last week just based on your stuff. Yeah. I, I think it was like I plus fifteen fifty or something. My overtime picks this week were um, not close, but that's going to happen when they're fifteen to ones. You know, uh, the goal right. is to just hit those overtime picks. Sorry if you're a NASCAR listener, but this is yeah. fun stuff. <laughs> skip, we're, we're we're going off on tangents, but skip, that's that's part of the podcast. It's like yeah, skip forward. But um, but uh, you know, hitting a two hundred sixty three to one overtime parlay was easily easily the coolest bet i've won in terms of like 
the randomness of the market. Now, my favorite bit, of yeah. course, all time that I want is Kyle Kirkwood Long Beach, period. But the mm. coolest market I've ever won is an overtime parlay. And I'm I'm going to keep firing those overtime bets the rest of the year. I haven't run my model yet this week. Just kind of waiting for lines to settle in and, and player injury news and stuff like that to settle in. But right. yeah, I'm definitely going to be firing overtime bets for the rest of the no, year. I, I, like, I like betting those just because it's like you're rooting for a close game too. So, mm-hmm. you know, and like I said last week, my friends and I, whenever there's an overtime game, we all take shots. So it's like nice. it'd be win, win, win then. You know, yeah. good game and everything else. But, right. but yeah, back to NASCAR. <laughs> we are, yeah, back to NASCAR. We are on to Talladega this weekend. And uh, the listeners whine about it is us not talking NASCAR. Yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> this is going to be, I feel like this is going to be another super sweet race that we've seen this year where I think it's going to be super calm for 95% of it. And they they might just go out there and ride around, but then it has the potential to get pretty crazy at the end. We've seen it happen here before, you know. I think we'll see a big one there with like ten laps to go. That's just yep. what I'm saying. Um, I, I agree with that. Now, when it comes to like DFS and betting, do does does anything in any scenario outside of like maybe like we talked about Denny Hamlin. Does anything change your mindset, or is is the mindset still with this, with betting and DFS, the the exact same this weekend at uh, at Talladega? Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing that would change is if you think it's going to be a bit calmer, uh, and just the one big one. You don't. You we. I mean, we always talk about stack the back, blah blah blah. It depends on how qualifying goes, but very often because we get qualifying at these races, the the air quote shit boxes which we don't really have this year uh mm-hmm. you know qualify in the back and and you don't play them as much well you know because they're all going to be correlated it, like if you're using the fantasy labs optimizer you're just going to heavily correlate like your bj mcclouds uh and uh, honestly maybe just him he might only be the only one that is heavily correlated because like a, you know a, a jj yaley or whoever could still get a 10th or 8th or ninth or 12th place finish even if bj mcleod's just running around the back so it's tough to say but i what my point is i think you could do something like stack the mid-20s type stuff or or mid and late Mm -hmm. 20s you don't necessarily have you get a couple drivers in the 30s in a lineup but if you stack teens and 20s uh that's very viable so it becomes one of those races where you just want to look for you know I always say it, but you want to look for who's going to be overused and over overowned and underowned. Uh, mm-hmm. But it could come from that middle range potentially. Um, versus the front is still overused. Period. So yeah. it could just be like, okay, well maybe that middle range is a little underused um, because I notice like the ownership stuff it, it dips as you go into the teens and then comes back up as you go into the twenties, and, and there's too much early. So it could be a race where like three or four drivers from like 13th to 21st or something ends up in the optimal lineup, you know, 13th to 24th, let's say something like that ends up in the optimal lineup with two guys in the back. That's very possible this week. If it's calmer, that said, I agree with you on how I think that race is going to go. I think it's going to be very calm and then it could get wild at the end, but I definitely think there's a chance for like a random, like a, not even an aggressive, like, big one, but, like, a, a oh, I fucked up and that turned into a big one deal where it's not like, man, they were getting crazy and aggressive and 
it just happens sometimes. There's a, a random, like, got loose or got hit from behind the wrong way, wasn't even aggressive, and just ended up taking out 20 cars. That's still possible, even in a calm race, well before the end. So I, I do think, you know, plan for that potential as well. Uh, I think there's a very, very small chance it gets, like, crazy aggressive unless rain ends up in the forecast or something. But uh, I agree. I think it, largely it's going to be first two stages will be calm. Beginning of the third stage, you're kind of jockeying for position, uh, and then it'll get crazy. But there is definitely the potential for a big one in stage one or two, just depending on if some random thing happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking back at the first race at Talladega this year, uh, seven of the top eight finishers started 20th or better. So for your DF, you DFS players, that's something to keep in mind. Um, mm-hmm. Eight of the top, or the top nine all started twenty fourth or or better, the or, or higher. The highest tenth uh, place Todd Gillen started twenty eighth. So just looking back at this this last race at Talladega, Kyle Busch started seventeenth. He won the race, and then we had uh, Blaney starting fifth, finished second, and Briscoe starting fourth and finishing fourth. So. Just something mm-hmm. to keep you, keep in mind there uh, when it comes to DFS, especially this weekend. Uh, but as always, you know, qualifying does not matter at Talladega. They're not practicing this weekend. Um, so uh, keep an eye on these betting lines and how they change based on qualifying because books sometimes have the, the tendency to overreact to qualifying. There's really no reason to at, at, at Talladega at all. So... Yeah. Exactly. You know, if someone, if, if Denny Hamlin or someone qualifies back in thirtieth, there's no reason to not jump on him if he, if his top ten or something goes to, whatever. Which, by the way, it's crazy seeing. Um, I'm, I just pulled up the top ten odds here with all the different books, and and Bet Rivers is about the only one that's respectable in my opinion. Um, you got Caesar, comparatively speaking, but you have Caesars and DraftKings. You know, they have like Ryan Blaney top 10 at minus 225 minus so, 250 so ridiculous <laughs> bet rivers bet rivers has him at minus 106 um yeah. it's it's so crazy but um we mentioned uh denny hamlin there sitting at 16 to 1 on fanduel i like him i also like joey logano at 16 to 1 on fanduel anybody catching your eye in the on the odds board this weekend when it comes to outright winners uh Maybe, you know, kind of flipping through here. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, <laughs> Justin Haley or Todd Gilliland. LaJoy 60 to 1 isn't terrible for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's been able to put himself in winning positions. Uh, so I think like that 60 to 1 range is fun. And then if you want something a lot shorter, you can never count out Eric Jones thirty-five to one at BetMGM, right? I mean, this is this is the type of track race he's so good at. Uh, so certainly don't hate Eric Jones. And then if you really want a favorite, it's the whole Denny Hamlin debate: is sixteen value or not? Uh, but Joey Logano at sixteen, I think I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely surprised that he's sitting there at sixteen, just because of you know he's always up front it seems like at these uh super speedway races but everything else like you know, i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, honestly uh, sorry I, I wouldn't hate a card of like joey logano 16 eric jones 35 uh and then sprinkling those 60 plus guys depending on who you like but i mean i wouldn't have any issue just throwing a you know 
quarter unit on Joy Haley and Gilliland or something like that, um, and and kind of just calling it uh, an outright race there. One bet I do like, and I know you're talking outrights, but you were mentioning top tens, um, and you mentioned how Bet Rivers had really good odds on those favorites but what they did is they shortened those guys further back like your your harrison burtons your riley herps etc whereas um a little bit longer on caesars and DraftKings. but chandler smith in a colleague car eight and a half to one for a top 10 is ridiculous so i would take that at DraftKings all day chandler smith eight and a half to one top 10 finish uh 365 he's at nine to one so even better there oh yeah see i never have that on my dashboard 365, yeah. 9-1, to one, Chandler Smith. Absolutely got to yep. blast that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm waiting for Tipico um, and Bet Fred to drop their lines because they're usually pretty pretty good too when it comes to like those longer Plus, shots. I will always bet on Chandler because that's my girlfriend's cat's name. <laughs> Um, I'm just kind of browsing some things here. Any um, any like top Chevy bets that you like out there? Ty Dillon eighty uh, to one. It's another Ty driver that's Dillon. really, really good at uh, Talladega. Yeah, I don't know. Like he's he's good, but he hasn't uh, hasn't like super impressed this year. I mean, like you said, the only only driver aside from Priest with no top tens is. Ty Dillon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, tough to tough to want to be on him for top Chevy. Uh, that said, I mean, I always like him at these types of tracks. Uh, Chandler Smith is 9-1 to one for a top 10 at FD also. Is he? Yeah, it fandles up now. So Chandler Smith 9-1, to one, top 10. Uh, Ty Dillon's 8-1 to one for a top 10. Like, I'd almost rather have Chandler Smith top Chevy than Ty Dillon top Chevy. I, um, if their odds were the same. Uh, I need to pull up, pull up Caesars and Bet three six five etc. to look at top Chevy Ch- markets. Chandler Smith is a hundred to one at three six five. See, I like that better than I like Ty Dillon. Chandler Smith, I think, is a better driver. He's in a better equipment. Um, the only issue is he doesn't have as much experience. Mm-hmm. Is this his third race this year? I think so. Pull that up real quick. Chandler Smith. Yeah. Yep. Chandler's 65 to 1 at Caesars. He's 65 at Caesars, so 100 at, at 365 is nice. Yeah, he finished 15th at Daytona in the fall. 17th at Richmond. Did not qualify for the Daytona 500. Yeah. Yeah, I was written for him to qualify for the Daytona 500. I remember that. Um, Another one that's interesting... Going back to the well on this one, but Riley Herbst fastest qualifier, 150 to one. Uh, remember that is a Stuart Haas prepared car, and uh-huh. those Fords. He, I mean, he made the final round. I think he qualified like fourth or something in the most recent Super Speedway race, uh, which would have been Daytona. See if I can pull that up real quick. I think he qualified like fourth. I think you're right. Um, yeah, qualifying. Riley Herb sixth. Yeah. It was Ford, Ford, was- Ford, Toyota, Toyota, Ford. 
But the top three were um, two Stuart Haases and a Wood Brothers racing forward. Yep. I don't hate Riley Herbst, 151 fastest qualifier. I didn't even look at fastest qualifier odds. Are those up on uh, Caesars? Caesars. Yeah, I think last week or you you didn't weren't able to see those or something or there was a different market you weren't able to see. Oh, race to go to overtime is what it was. Yeah, race to go to overtime. Uh. Yeah, I definitely don't mind Riley Herbst, 150 to one fastest qualifier. Do you think it's gonna win? No. But if he gets in the top ten, it's worth it. <laughs> right. There's value there Some, just if he gets in the top ten. Definitely something to root for. And hey, fastest qualifier, it's on there. Yeah, that's worth a sprinkle for sure. And honestly, Harrison Burton. Fifty to one. I wouldn't mind putting a little sprinkle on that. He was third and at Daytona. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that at all. I don't hate that at all. I'm uh Pulling up, pulling up odds and stuff here on my phone. Because I need, I haven't looked at like Circa yet, for example. But uh, let me go down, scroll down here. Yeah, I, I think five to, or sorry, fifty to one on Harrison Burton, fastest qualifier, and one hundred fifty to one on Riley Herbst are both pretty good values there. Um, the, the thing I will say is I do feel like the Fords were better at Atlanta and then Daytona and I believe earlier this year at Talladega. While they were fine, it was kind of just a mix of everyone um, at Talladega in qualifying. So I'm looking at qualifying there. Yeah, it was Toyota Ford, Toyota Ford, Ford, Toyota, Toyota Ford, uh, and then Chevy Ford. And uh, of the Fords, it was the bigger teams and then one Two two Stuart Haas racing cars in Almirola and Briscoe once again. So, seems like Almirola and Briscoe are pretty solid bets. Uh, Briscoe's and Almirola are each ten to one, but then it was a lot of Toyotas in there. So if you want to look at Toyota, that's a pretty interesting one. Um, Ty Gibbs qualified third earlier this year at Talladega. He's twenty to one. He would be the longest Toyota, it appears. Um, Hamlin's nine. Bubba's 11, Bell is 15, uh, oh no, Gibbs is 20, Reddick's 25, and Truex is 33. I like Truex at 33. He's been really good at qualifying on these super speedways. Mm -hmm. You know why I'm I'm actually intrigued at Hamlin 9-1? Why? Looking at the last seven Talladega races, these are his starting positions. First, third, seventh, first, 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 second. How many of those were set by qualifying order? Pretty much everything in know. 2020 and 2021 were qualifying order. Oh, damn it. Never mind, then. I forgot uh, about like, that. Like, you know, the, the metric or whatever. 2021 was, too? Yeah. All of damn 21 it, was mind. metric. Three of, the, three of those. Uh, all, four of those front row starts were the metric. metric but he did, yeah. win, he, did win the, uh, he did win qualifying earlier this year at Talladega. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, so I don't hate Hamlin, but I think I'd rather just take his teammate at 33. Yeah. And Truex I don't hate that at all. Good, and, and of the, again, the non, like, uh, 
what am I looking for? The non-metric years, um, he's been pretty good at qualifying at super speedways. So, um, Truex 33, Harrison Burton 50, Riley Herbst 150. Uh, are the if and you know I hate betting qualifying, but those are the three I'd right. consider right now. I haven't bet any of them, but I'd absolutely consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right there with you. Um, as always, if and I haven't seen any, but um, matchups. If you, my rule with matchups at like Daytona and Talladega, if if you're, they're giving you a driver at like plus one thirty or longer, just bet it because it's such a toss up. You know, like I'm I'm honestly to that point where if if you're giving me plus one twenty five, plus one thirty, or even even longer, I'm just gonna bet it. I don't care who it is. Yeah. I agree. You get a good driver and good equipment at that long. I mean, because, you know, there's 36 cars in the race. And uh, you know your BJ McLeods, your Brennan Pools, your JJ Ellies, et cetera. Ty Dillon's, uh, I should say not Riley Herbst because they do think you can. But, like, there's certain guys that just have no shot at winning the pole. So, um, or, or winning whatever, finishing wherever, uh, certain things. that You can just, like, mentally eliminate them. And then you look at just car count and odds versus car count. Makes a lot of sense to take, like, big big drivers on big teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Any other, any other advice you have for people when it comes to, you know, DFS, Talladega-wise? Um... I really do think considering stack the back, not not like less, but just like you don't have to weigh it as much uh, is is the biggest piece of advice. But at, at that same token, it doesn't change the advice of play the play the ownership percentages. Everything mm-hmm. runs a lot closer together than DFS players still play. If Martin Truex Jr. starting right next to Ryan Priest, 21st and 22nd. Truex, or let's say Denny Hamlin. Uh, Denny Hamlin is going to be 30% owned, and Ryan Priest is going to be 9% owned if they're starting 21st and 22nd. Should be more like 22 to 14 or something. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Uh, everything runs a lot closer together than we think at these tracks. And I shouldn't say we because some of us realize that, but than the general public, uh, the general DFS populace thinks. That said, the people playing DFS right now are probably the ones that are the sharpest still because they're the ones who always play DFS for NASCAR at this time of year once NFL started. So it's also probably the toughest slate to make money in of the four super speedway races. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just looking back at Daytona uh, from last month or however long ago it was, uh, Chandler Smith started 36th, finished 15th. He was 15% owned in the big GPP. Um, 15% starting 36th? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's stupid. Like, that's yeah. got to be a, a 25% plus. I don't remember what I have him optimal. I haven't pulled it up, but that's a 25% plus optimal. Easy. A here's college a, car? Yeah. With a good here's driver? An even yeah. Be- Here's an even better one. Alex Bowman started 31st. He was 37.25% owned. Ty Dillon starting 30th, who has a great track record at Talladega, yeah. was 6.5% owned. Yeah, that's ridiculous, especially considering Alex Bowman isn't that great at super speedways. Like, those two should be honestly pretty close together. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just so like, and even like you know, like JJ Yaley, he had a he had a solid nineteenth place finish after starting thirty third. He was only nine percent owned. I mean, there is, I still think there's quite a bit an edge to these to these uh, super speedway oh, races, even yeah, though, as is, you there said, is. there's there's it's sharper the least people of all. playing, but yeah, yeah, it's the least of the four, but it's still an edge because there are people that just overvalue the the bigger team's names etc uh-huh and then they try yeah. to fill the salary like uh, this isn't i'm not sitting here saying don't fill the salary cap because that's totally fine but again and i say this every super speedway you don't need to mm-hmm. but yeah. people still look at there are again in for this particular of the four super speedway races this year it's going to be more people not worrying about salary cap in terms of percentage of the field because there's going to be more sharper players because all the casuals drop out and play NFL at this time of year. But yeah. that said, uh, that edge is still going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the, the Daytona race, the, the uh, regular season ending race, it was not a very good DFS slate for guys like you and I, because you and I are very contrarian players when it comes to yeah. um, and the highest scoring drivers, the top five were all over 30% owned. Yeah. Like chalk hit at, at Daytona. So while I preach it every time, um, small pivots when the chalk hits, it also sucks because then, you know, you're like, well, the the damn obvious choice was right in front of me but um you're not going to get that every time you know we had mcdowell starting dead last in that race here's the thing and if you only if you even if four super speed races a year even if three of them are chalky if you're contrarian enough have the right exposures enough on that fourth one you more than make up for the three with your winnings yeah it's a good point it just i mean it sucks at the at real time but this is a long season. This is a long. Always play the long so game. While, while you were while you were talking, I was sitting here playing on my phone, just getting my my bet in on Chandler Smith nine to one top ten. <laughs> That's like I said, it's a FanDuel as well. So um, and uh, Boyd as well. So uh, lots of places where Chandler Smith is nine to one. Nice. Um, let's get to picks to win here. Um. I don't even remember who I had last week, but you know who I had? Crack a beer. I don't remember. I got my fifth win of the season. You I took have William, William Byron, Byron. You son of a Texas. bitch. Do I so only still have one win this year or something? You have two. You had two. Bell at Bristol Dirt and Kyle Busch at Talladega. Mm. I haven't won since Talladega. Shit, that's a long time. Yeah, I... Uh, this is my second win of the playoffs already, too, because I had Larson at Darlington. Damn. Get my ass handed. I like it. It's like Steve Luvender fantasy, random fantasy <laughs> yeah, shit here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just, it came, came over to this. Dang. Who did I have last week? I already forget. You had Larson last week. Mother. He, I had the best car yeah. last week. Exactly. God damn it. Exactly. God damn it. Uh Had the best car, didn't win. It, what was that um, meme? It was like, um, 
it was like it would always be like something and then like what is like some down bad Brian or whatever it was weird meme. Oh, I think I know um, what you're talking about. Bad luck Brian. Yeah, bad, bad luck, luck Brian. Brian. It's like takes driving test gets first DUI like that. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> I'm like bet's fastest car wrecks out of race. Yeah, battling for the win. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Uh, I am bad luck Brian right now. Yeah. So who who are you placing your jinx on this week? Oh god, now it's the the doc block deal. We're back to doc blocked territory. We haven't used that in a while. I will note. Yeah, you actually are because you have one top five finish in the last. Oh God. Eighteen picks. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm dead serious. And it was Larson at Kansas too. You had so uh, you 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 won Kyle. You, you got Kyle Busch right at Talladega, who got the win. Uh-huh. Eight eighteen picks since then. You have one top five. <laughs> Fourth I've place. I've probably at, had a lot of Kansas. good picks too. I yeah. probably had a lot of good picks that just went to shit too. Like, who did I pick at uh, Bristol? Uh, Keselowski. Just a week before Texas. Yeah, like he was fine there, and then he only finished eighth. Uh, who did I pick at Kansas? Right, like Larson. <sighs> I hate everything. Finish. He leads the most laps. Finishes fourth. Was that my only top five? Yep. Ah, oh, God. Who did I pick at Darlington? Uh, Truex. Finished 18th. He had a weird race that race. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. All right. Yeah, well, so. Talladega, I better just do my randomizer, right? Yep. Random.org. Uh, I'm going to go with one through. Who are all the full-time drivers? 32 full-time drivers. Uh, I'm just going to go and order the standings. Okay. 29, Austin Dillon. Nice. Austin Dillon is my pick to win. Actually has a decent record here. Yeah, he's a little bit better that, at Daytona. That super but is. Better at Daytona, yeah. but yeah. Good yeah. super speedway racer. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... Act like this is... Like I'm actually thinking about this um (laughs) um give me uh i think ryan blaney gets it done i don't know why probably because he's really good at talladega and i'm playoff driver totally on board with that um I'd be I'd be totally fine if Ryan Blaney and because won it. and because if I if I bet Logano I just know he's just gonna push Blaney to the win and I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah. Now uh, this race Ryan Blaney uh, this race always has a sweet spot uh, soft spot in my heart whatever that term is um, because his you, you mentioned the last seven Talladega races have had seven different winners it started with Blaney in this very race in 2019 last race my brother ever watched and i was there with him to watch mm. it on his birthday so um, nice yeah it was his last birthday of his life and uh we watched it together as the last race he ever watched blaney won that and i had him 20 to 1 to win and uh hit that bet so 
Yeah. Great, great memory. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so I'll, maybe I'll bet Blaney. Maybe I'll bet Blaney. I like it. I like I like Lagana at sixteen, but then you think about the Blaney thing, and now I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't. Like right. I talked myself out of the Hamlin sixteen already. Might I might have to talk myself out of Lagana sixteen and and take Blaney at twelve at BetMGM or or Caesars or DraftKings. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see as the week goes on. Yeah. That's gonna do it for us this week, though. Five races left after this one, and this this season has gone by. But uh, we'll see where these playoff standings sit after Talladega, and then one more race before we get to the round of eight. Should be a good race on Sunday. Hopefully it is. Good luck to everybody if you're betting, if you're playing fantasy. And we'll talk to you next week when we break down Charlotte Roval. I think that's the last. Yeah, that's the last road course race of the season. Nice. Yep. All right. See you guys. See y'all.